Hello guys and welcome back to another episode of Super Coach Mates. Um, this is going to be a short episode today. We're just going to quickly touch on a few of the more popular defender choices um, and give our verdict on who perhaps you should pick based on a number of factors. Um, so I've got both Thomas and Jonas here um, and we're all just going to go through... Um, yeah, we're just going to go through a few, perhaps, like-for-like like players and get our verdicts on who we think we should be picking and why. Um, so we're just going to get stuck straight into it. Um, who are obviously the two most expensive defenders to start the year. So Sinclair starting off at 626-200 and Sicily at 624-700. Um, I might throw this one to you first, uh, Thomas. Who do you like more out of these two players and perhaps why? Um, bias aside, I'd probably stick with Sicily. Um Obviously, it was him and Sinclair started off at a similar price, um, both, I think, around the 400. Correct me if I'm wrong, Jonas, but I'm pretty sure it was around the 400, mid-400K mark. Um, I think a fair few people jumped on Sicily to start with, and he, he kind of got better as the season wore on. I guess you can't really go wrong with both, um, but if I was forced to pick one at this stage, I've got Sicily at D1. At the moment, I mean, I'm trying to get Sinclair in. The only risk I think I see with Sinclair as a secure supporter is obviously you've got a new coach in Ross Lyons, so you don't really know. I mean, you can be pretty confident that he'll keep his halfback, right? I think he's too good of a halfback to let go into another position. He's an all-Australian halfback, so I think you'd want to let him flourish in that role a bit longer. Um, but the only risk I think, obviously, we know that Sydney, I think, tagged him quite successfully. He still scored all right. Like, as we saw the lowest score there, 79. That was against Sydney, I'm pretty sure. And it, and it happened both times. Um, but I'm sure he's going to mature into that role and, and learn to deal with those sort of tags. Not many teams do tag a half-back flanker. Um, but the other risk is, I think, if he gets chucked into a midfield rotation, how much of that will impact his scoring. I don't think it will impact it that much. As a midfielder, he probably scores all right. Maybe not as high. You know, he's got the ceiling, 150, you know, dominant. He is off half-back. Sicily, um, you know, it's not like they've got to change a coach. And Sam Mitchell, I think, with how young the team is going into next of this year, um, he'll be pretty important to their back line. And I think it'll just his role will continue. The ball was basically going through him at every potential attacking opportunity Hawthorne had. And even when, he, you know, certain games I watched, for Hawthorne, even though he started to push up forward in a more attacking position, the ball was still going through him. And, you know, he, you see on in a super coach sense, sometimes he kind of stagnates his scores, but he's very um, prone to quickly getting to, you know, 90 by three quarter time. So he's just pretty damaging and he's so consistent um, as we saw last season. Yeah. Um, have you got anything to add on that, Jonas? Um. I think both of them, you're picking them because of their proven scoring, but they are priced at like 625000 which is a whole lot of money to pay up. So I think it's one of those things where you pick them for the safety of knowing they're going to be 
top six or eight around there. But I don't see how you can really win on the pick except break even just given the price. So if I had to pick one, it would probably be Sisley because, yeah, as Tom was saying, um, Sinclair might move into the middle. He's also prone to getting tagged a tiny bit. And with, like, Caulfield and Hunter Clark returning and new coach, it's a bit up in the air as to where he plays at the moment. I think he has a bit of soft tissue injury history as well. Um, so that's something to monitor. But they're both decent picks. I just prefer looking at a bit more value at this point in time. Yeah, and obviously I would, if I had to give my thoughts, as well, um, I think um, Sicily would be the one I'd go with. I think we saw this year with um, with like Jack Crisp and um, Jaden Shaw, is when these flankers move in the midfield, they sort of start dropping off their scoring a bit. I think Chris went from about 100 down to about 90 when he moved in midfield. So, um, yeah, I think I think, I think think Sicily is probably the better one there. Uh, moving on to the next one. So, um, these are two of the more higher-priced ones. I'm just going to get it up on my screen. Here we go. Um, so, Tom Stewart and Jordan Dawson. So, Tom Stewart is priced at... Uh, 604,000 and Dawson is 603,100. Um, I might throw to you first on this one, Jonas. Which one of these are you picking and why? Um, I like the Dawson pick. He hasn't left my side, to be honest. He's still in the prime of his career. Um, I think he's going to get plenty of the ball back there. He's got such a friendly role. He, he can rack up the pill uh, through multiple avenues and yeah he's a pretty durable player so I think now he's got an extra year they're gonna they obviously trust him with the ball they also trust Stewart but I feel like Stewart gets um tagged a bit cops a bit of attention um fluctuates in scoring a tiny bit more and I think um they'll have a stable role for Dawson which will be in the back line you'd think so for me, yeah, he's a comfortable D1 pick at this time. Uh, are you the same, Thomas? Yeah, I agree with, with most of what Jonas said. Um, I think Dawson hasn't left my side. We saw it last year where, you know, even though he got pushed, there was times where he swung forward and, you know, you thought, oh, shit, you know, he's not going to score, but he, he scores a couple, he hits a couple goals and he's um, bouncing back up. I mean, he's so consistent. And as Jonas said, I think they'll kind of solidify his role as Adelaide develop. Um, I reckon the the fact that they've got Rochelle and what's the other guy's name from Gold Coast? Um, Rankin. Rankin, yeah, Rankin's now in. I don't think you'll see Dawson going as forward as much. I think those two will be there as a you know permanent smalls. Um, and yeah, D- Dawson's floor isn't as bad as Stewart's. I think the issue with Stewart is. Um, as we were talking off air, obviously suffered from that least Frank injury, um, which obviously put a lot of people in doubt going into last season, but I guess that didn't really hamper him that much. I guess the risk with him, is, as Jonas said, is there's tagability issues. Um, I don't know why. I don't understand why a lot of teams don't put more time into him, considering he's pretty much a general for, for Geelong, and half the reason why Geelong win is um, getting the ball in Stewart's hand. Obviously, Stewart 
and Dawson both have kick out duties. I mean, Stewart, I think a little bit more so than Dawson. Um, but, you know, I think we see it against, uh, I saw it against Brisbane last year um, when Stewart's forced to play one on one and is not really, it's not a heavy tag, but the opposition forward kind of forces him to defend one on one. And that's where he's a bit susceptible to the lower scores. As we see, the lowest score of 48. I'm pretty sure it was, if I'm not mistaken, it was either an injury affected the game or it was against Charlie Cameron, um, who has a habit of not scoring well against. So he's, he is susceptible to, to a poor score too. But I think if I had to pick between the two, um, I'd probably pick Dawson because, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd put Sinclair and Sicily ahead of these two just for consistency's sake. But next rung down, if I had to be forced to hand, I'd probably pick Dawson. Yeah, I think I would join in on Jonas's love child as well ahead of Stuart. Um, just just because um, I think Geelong are going to have a lot of work putting them this off-season, um, obviously as the reigning Premier. Um, and I think one area that sides might try and clamp down in 2023 is the influence of, in particular, Tom Stewart off that half-back line. So I wouldn't be surprised if sides went out and tried to go after him um, a little bit more than perhaps what they did this year. Um, so moving on to the next Just quickly with players. Stewart as well. With Stewart as well. Yep. I'm curious to see what impact, if any, Jack Bowes has. If he's playing in the half-back line, um, that might take a few points away from Stewart. So something also to potentially look out for. Yeah, could do. Yeah, that's that's a good point, actually, um, with Bowes coming in. Um, so moving on to the next group. So Doherty and uh, Angus Brayshaw. So obviously Doherty um, is priced at six hundred and three thousand, uh, and Brayshaw's at five hundred and fifty thousand. And we'll just throw out a few other couple of guys in the middle here. So Witherden and Saad and Bailey Dale are also in the middle of the price of these two. Um, but we're just going to focus on these two. Um, so, who would you be picking out of these two, Thomas, and why? I mean, I'm a bit biased in saying I picked Doherty um, up last season, having for the majority of the time, I was pretty happy with his output. Obviously, it's a pretty incredible story. Um, from where he's come from and to play 22 games last season was pretty ridiculous. And he was just so consistent. I guess there was a little bit of a risk with, with Doherty in the fact that... Um, he, I think his 144 was the first round against Richmond, and after that, he really didn't hit the heights as consistent. He was more of a 110, 120 person at best. That was kind of his peak, but his floor is similar to the likes of Dawson and Sinclair, where it's not that low, um, which is definitely helpful. And I reckon he'd be more of a bit more of a pod this year. Um, obviously, 50k cheaper, Angus Brayshaw. Look, if he wasn't put in the midfield. Um, towards the end of the last season, I wouldn't. We wouldn't be having this conversation. Um, he's been thrown in there, and it, they seem to like Petrarca a bit more forward of the board. And Angus Brayshaw obviously flourished um, towards the back end of last year, and it was almost a viable POD if you looked at his scoring. But his one's a little bit more role dependent. But I think the benefit of having him as a defender this season, obviously, because a midfielder is kind of we don't talk about it, but as a defender, um, the potential for him to score nuts is pretty ridiculous. And I think at 550, 
it's a risky one because obviously you're, you're there to keep him. It'd be a bit of a sideways move if you moved him onwards and you'd have to pay up for the likes of, of, of Sinks, Sicily, you know, Dawson, the like. There's not many sideways ones. Um, but, yeah, it, I'd probably go Doherty if I choose, but if I were to risk it and I'd be pretty confident in the role that he was in, if he was kind of certified to play midfield uh, minutes or heavy midfield minutes moving into 2023 and they, they continue with the Petrarca moving forward trend, um, it'd, be a, uh, it'd be a risk worth probably taking at some point. But um, at 550, it's hard to justify when, you know, the top end of you've got, you know, definite four or five premiums of the defence that you just non-negotiables going into the end of the season. So he's one that, you know, you could risk that might be worth paying off, but it's really role dependent for him. Yeah. Um, have you got anything to add, Jonas? Um, yeah, the Brayshaw ones, I don't mind it because it is a bit of a unique one and you save a bit of money. But I'm not sure uh, what they do with the uh, midfield rotation because Petrarca will be 100% fit. And then you've got Varney and Oliver in there. So I don't think Brayshaw will get that much time. Plus, I'm not sure what the inclusion of Hunter does. And, like, Salem will be back at, like, full fitness and stuff like that. So one of those picks where it could pay off, but I sort of want to see what role he's playing in the preseason. And if he's playing predominantly midfield, then maybe you pick him. But, yeah, I also actually have Doherty in my team at the moment for a few reasons. A, Carlton have a fair few primetime games and... Wouldn't mind actually watching that. And with uh, Walsh out, he could play a, f- a bit of midfield, albeit uh, Hewitt would be there, but he could pinch it in the midfield. And I don't think he's very susceptible, or he doesn't cop that much attention. Um, so it's one that I think will be a pretty safe pick and um, also interesting that he's unique and Plays a lot of Friday night matches. You don't want to be picking North Melbourne players and having to watch games at 3.20 on a Sunday afternoon. No, I think that's fair enough. I think if I was going to go Brayshaw, I think I'd probably rather pay the 10K extra and go up to Bailey Dale, um, whose role doesn't seem to change as much. Um, But, yeah, I will firmly be in the Doherty camp on that one. So, um, moving on. On to the next one. So we have, do, 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 do. Uh, we've got uh, Jake Lloyd versus Nick Dacos here. Um, and we're also going to, we had a Twitter comment come through about Nick Hind, um, who's a little bit cheaper than these guys. So um, we're going to throw him in this as well, even though he's not on there. So we've got Lloyd at 507,300. We've got Nick Dacos at 502. 1500 and we've got Nick Hind who's 491,300. Um, so we might just focus on these two, um, and we might just give a quick verdict on Hind. So, Jonas, um, out of Dacos and Lloyd, who would you be picking? Uh, this one's probably the easiest comparison so far, it would be Dacos just because natural progression. Less points being shared. Like with Lloyd, you've got to worry about a few players, for instance, uh, Blakey. And I'm sure there's one or two others that are missing out, like Mills goes back down there and stuff like that. Plus, 
I feel like Lloyd's regressing a bit. So, yeah, he's one I'm not that uh, keen on. But with Dacos, he's come back in the preseason, added some extra weight. Um, I think he won the time trial. He had a bit of an Achilles problem, but he's still got two months to work through that. So for me, yeah, Dacos presents some decent value, and I can only see um, his average rising. Not sure by how much, maybe 97 or so, um, with the upside of going 105. So to me, he's a decent uh, pick. Not sure about Hind. I think he's a bit irrelevant as well because you've got to worry about Ridley and um, Redmond. Yep. Um, would you go along with that as well, Tom? Yeah. I mean, Lloyd, we, we spoke about last season, the risks of picking him. Obviously, we said last season that the game style of Sydney has kind of tra- transitioned from this chip mark um, style that really made them suffer a couple of years back to this really direct footy with McInerney and uh, Blakey taking it down the middle. Um, which yeah. obviously benefits those two in particular, but Lloyd not so much. Lloyd had his odd good score, but he was really regressing towards the 90s, and, and we saw, as I said, a 92 average. Um, Dacos, on the other other hand, first year player, ridiculous average to start off the season with. Um, my only, obviously, I heard about the Achilles injury. I don't think, well, hopefully, it's not a big issue moving forward. As Jonas said, you got two months onto the start of the season, so hopefully, it doesn't miss too much of the preseason with that. Um, I guess the main issue with him is 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 as a naturally, you know, you either have a second year player that trage- uh, continues his progression into that elite category, or it's a bit of a you know one hit wonder, and I doubt it. But you know whether the opposition teams pay more attention to him, as we know, he was very damaging for them towards the final series. Um, he obviously played a very Super coach friendly role in the fact that half back is obviously a pretty uh, friendly scoring position, but you know now it's, he's not a rookie price anymore. He's 500k and he's, he's a premium price. So you know, is there that risk that does the average 90? Do you take a 91 average um, from him next season at a, at a 500k price, where 50k more? You're talking like a Brayshaw who role dependent, um, could could outscore him quite easily. So it's, it's one that I think you've got to pay a bit more attention to over pre-season. I think he's a very popular pick just because everyone's got him, everyone's reaped the benefits of how well they did pre-season, but I think there is that risk with him um, blowing up a little bit into the second year just with, you know, potential opposition paying a little bit more attention to him, which I was surprised, you know, that he kind of was let off the chain a bit in his first year, but who knows what happens in year two? Yeah, um, and I'll steer the Collingwood ship here. Nick Dacos is the one defender that hasn't left my side all preseason. Um, I think the upside there, I think just touching on your point about the second year, Blue, so a lot of him, a lot of people are comparing him to sort of the same impact about Sam Walsh, and Sam Walsh had the same question mark. Um, and I think in his second year, actually increased his average by about 10 or 15 again, um, which if he's averaging 100 as a second-year player, I think you would probably pick him with no problems there. Um, so while I get the next screen up, um, since Jonas already gave his opinion on Nick Hind, 
Um, just give a quick verdict, Thomas, on what you think about the Nick Hine pick. Oh, that's what I answered before. Yeah, um, probably a no-go, unfortunately. Yeah, I don't expect too much from Essendon in the in the new season. Um, just looking at his scores, I, I thought it was a lot more impressive than what it was. Obviously, average of 90, but he really only had short bursts of patches. He obviously started the season all right, but had only a track, I think it was round, from what I've got up here, round 16 to 18, where he scored consecutive times. And after that, it was really pretty volatile. Um, you know, unfortunately, with, with him, it, it's not like he receives a lot of ball. They've obviously got a lot of defenders down there that do a similar role. Obviously, Ridley, um, Redmond's the main one as well. You know, you just don't know what to expect with those those ones. Um but yeah, I, I think he just missed with that because of his price of almost five hundred. The two smokies that we've got on screen now, I think, could be more of a better risk just with the upside. But yeah, Hind, I think, is a no go for this season in my books. Yeah, I would offer the same thoughts there. So as Tom um, alluded to, um, we've got uh, a few smokies to talk through. So we're just going to mainly focus on these two. Um, and I might do a couple more off off screen. Um, but uh, Nick Blakey and Ed Richards. Um, so Blakey's 475, 300, and Ed Richards is 460,000. Um, I think out of the people I can see, I think these two probably have the most upside in them. Um, so I might throw to you, Jonas, for this one. Um, who would you be picking? out of these two if you are going down this sort of a bit more mid-price risk and why? Um, I like Ed Richards a ton a bit more for a few reasons. He's 15K cheaper. He's, word is he's uh, been training very well during the preseason. I think Caleb Daniels going into the middle a bit. And also what you look at when these when you see look at these players, is how they finished the year. And Richards finished the year with a 114, 126, 112, 97, 106, 113. So I think that was when Daniel wasn't in the back line as much. Um, so there's clearly uh, upside for him to become a top six to eight uh, defender. And I think that could be a risk worth taking given... Um, there isn't a lot in the defence, like in terms of rookies and some of the mid-prices are a bit dicey, so he could be a really good option. As for Blakey, yeah, I'm not sure. There hasn't been too much that's going to change at Sydney um, this year in the sense of players moving in or out, whereas at the Bulldogs, yeah, if, um, if Daniel's moving into the midfield, that means more kick-ins for Richards more ball through his hand, hands when it's going um, outside the D50. So he could be a good link-up player who could become a top six and might be worth the risk. But I wouldn't be picking him and Dacos. It would be one of the two. Yeah. Um, have you got anything to add to that, Tom? Um, yeah, it's a tough one because obviously they're pretty similarly priced. Richards, I didn't watch too many of, or not him particularly, and I didn't watch too many of the Dogs games, so I kind of can't really say. I heard, obviously, that he had a pretty big upside. 
um, based on where his progression and his position and his role. Um, Blakey, I was kind of the unfortunate person who picked McInerney at the start of the season and should have picked Blakey instead last season. Um, (laughs) Issue with Blakey was what I noticed because I watched him quite carefully considering I missed out on him. He started off the season on fire but petered out pretty quickly um, and he really faded as the season went on. So I'm not sure if he'll do that again. He obviously, his scores rely heavily on his run and carry game, uh, which is pretty important, but does that translate to good super coach scoring? I don't think as consistently. Reaches is someone I'd probably want to take the punt on a little bit more. Um, could be well or unique. Has big upside. Quite young. And we know what he's capable of when he plays defence. Um, obviously, could be prone to a stinker or two. But as a 460k, you know, it's similar to that McInerney pick that I took last time. That if you can get off ship early... If you see it going, you know, shit up shit creek pretty quickly, um, it can be worthwhile the pump because obviously you can make the money out of it and, and potentially keep him and save some money and reinvest elsewhere. But would I realistically pick either of them in my starting lineup? Probably not. But um, I'll give you two other uniques, which I forgot to send to you, Nathan, um, in a minute. But I'd say if I had to be forced my hand and pick a two, um, I'd probably stick with Ed Richards just because of the upside he has with him as, as a youngster, whereas Blakey's kind of been in that role for a while now and, and he's been consistent, but probably not consistent enough for my liking. But there's two others I'll throw to, to both of you that I, I forgot to put up on those slides earlier on. Um, they were both sent as Twitter questions uh, or Instagram, one of the two. Um, so one of them is... Nathan, you can probably answer first, but Kadeen Coleman, he's priced at 479, um, was a pretty popular pick last year as an option. Averaged last season of 87, but was kind of cut with injury. Highest score of 119, lowest of 47. And the other one is Mason Redmond, who's a bit more pricey at 510, average 92, um, highest 176, lowest 47. Obviously, he was the one that pretty much started Ridley's downfall with his um, primary kick uh, out taker. What are your thoughts on those two, Nathan? And, and who do you think, if you had to pick one or, or will you pick one in your starting lineup? Um, look, I think with those two, I think given where they're priced, I think I would probably have Nick Dacos in that position. Um, so I think I would pass on both of them. Um, in terms of who I would pick out of those two, though, um, I don't mind the Kadeen Coleman option. I think, I think as Rich gets on a bit more, I think he might sort of stay a bit more in the back pocket. Um, and I think Kadeen Coleman, they can really use him off halfback um, a bit more with obviously his quickness. So I think if I had to pick between the two, I would pick. Um, Coleman, and as for um, Mason Redmond, I think Essendon this year are really trying to stiffen up their back line. Um, And I wouldn't be surprised if some of these half-back flankers for Essendon actually had a bit of a drop-off. It's just a question of which ones will drop off. So I think the Essendon defenders at the minute, um, I think I would have some question marks over all of them until I've actually seen them play um, and to see whether or not they've sort of 
tighten up this back line that just sides were just slicing through last year. Um, so I would pick Coleman out of those two if I had to pick one, but I will probably pass on both, as I said. Um, are you offering anything, Jonas, or are you going to move on? Yeah, the Coleman pick, uh, yeah, I similarly uh, show a bit of reluctancy in both. Coleman could work out okay, but he had that hamstring injury and also McKenna's coming into the side, so I'm not sure how that's going to affect him. And his scoring wasn't that impressive. It was only impressive because of his uh, starting price last year. So, no, I don't see him being a top six. And Redmond's got the ceiling, but as you also touched on, there's um a bit of change happening at Essendon, and I'm not sure how that's going to affect Redmond. So I'd rather pick, pick an, a quantity or a player that I know their role and I know what they're going to do rather than someone unknown. Yeah. So I think I think that are you I'll just quickly Tommy are you what, what do you think on that are you in the same boat? Yeah, I think I mean Coleman I reckon will be impacted by um what's his face? <laughs> Connor McKenna. Well, Dennis just, yeah, Connor McKenna. Yeah, um, Connor McKenna. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think he'll be he'll be heavily impacted by him. They'll probably share the half back role and Zorko will play more forward of forward of centre, who, who knows. Um on the other hand, I guess Mason Redman, 5'10", is a tough find because we know what he's capable of, but I'd probably pass on him as well. He's just too capable of a stinker. Essence defence, I just don't like it all. Super coach-wise, they have a tendency to, to, to share it a fair bit, um, which obviously impacts each other's scoring. That's obviously why Ridley went off the cliff pretty much last season, but he's one that as we talked about with Blakey and Richards, I'd rather take the punt with someone a little bit cheaper than, than risk him because I'd rather pick him up at a cheaper price than start him and, and hope that Essendon, you know, focus all their points on one player. But he's one that, you know, if I had to pick between the two, I'd probably pick Redmond just a bit more consistency sake. Coleman, I think, suck a little bit, uh, a few people in just, with his potential and hype, and he kind of ruined a few super coaches. Um, with his injuries and his lack of potential, um, just purely based on his injuries, and I think, yeah, Conor McKenna's going to have a fair bit to say about how that back line runs, um, but I think I'd stick with just the heavy premiums up there. Yeah, so I think we're in a bit of an agreement there, but thanks for those uh, Twitter questions. So I'm um, just quickly, just to run back over the sort of, Matkins, Darcy Baron Jones, Jeremy Howe, um, Brody Smith, Nick Newman, um, Giath, Zach Williams, they're all sort of in that 400, 450 range. Um, so they're probably the only relevant ones that you'd consider. But yeah, I think we'd probably be um, just going a bit higher up. So, or if you want something a little bit different, um, you could decide to go down this path here, um, which is to go right back down into the 300s, um, where we do have a few options this year down at 300. So um, there were there are a couple of other names that we haven't got photos of, and we'll just mention them um, without the photos. But we're going to focus on these two. So Yo and Hunter Clark, 
Um, so, Jonas, which one are you going to pick if you are going to go down this sort of risky mid-pricer path and why? Yeah, it's a tough one. At this stage, I've got no real idea. Um, Yo's got that proven scoring history, but he's very injury-prone now, so I'm not – and getting on with that, so I'm not too sure about that. Apparently, he's doing well in the preseason, whereas Hunter Clark, um, yeah, he just – has zero luck when it comes to being able to get out in the park. And St Kilda tried to offload him, so I'm not too sure what his role will be. Maybe it will be a Sinclair-like role if Sinclair moves into the uh, midfield. But in saying that, I think I'd have to pick Yo purely because he's shown the ability to score in the midfield and also down back, and he'll probably have one of those two roles. Um, so with a bit of... Uh, reluctancy again, I'd pick Yo. How about you, Tom? Um, yeah, this one's a tough one because I think both of them are quite viable to start the season. They've got big upside. Yo, he's obviously had his injury concerns. I think that if Nat Newey comes back full pre-season, that'll help a lot because Yo is pretty much guaranteed to play in the midfield. I'm just not sure if his body holds up. That's the only downside. I think he's got huge injury risk. Um, we saw it last year where he came in underdone and he really just didn't get his body right. If he gets his body right, um, I'm all for it. The one that I'm more entertained with, obviously, being secured as supporter, Hunter Clark's an interesting one because of the new coach. And I think with someone like Hunter Clark who was pretty keen at, at one point to get out the club. And I mean, I'm not exactly sure if he was keen or not or what the backstory was, but it got to a point where he was close to leaving. Um, it'll be interesting to see with what, what Ross Lyon does with him. He's obviously a huge talent, has had a pretty horrific one, run with injuries. Um, you know, not not even soft tissue injuries, facial injuries and, you know, real bad, unlucky stuff that, you know, just really ruins your, your confidence and all that. So it's hard to say what is what his scoring would be like if he was fully fit. Um, but, you know, I could 100% see him playing in the midfield under Ross Lyon. And, and, and someone like Ross Lyon, I think, could rejuvenate his career in a, in a sense that he can bring the confidence back. He, you know, as a Sakura supporter, I've seen it time and time again with – well, not time and time again because he's only been – Ross Lyon only coached for a little bit. But guys like Clinton Jones, Andy McGualter back in the 10 period were, were, you know, basically – labelled as rubbish footballers and he was able to turn them around, maybe not as a super coach sense, but, you know, he was able to turn them into basically, you know, grand final lineups um, and played a very important role. So, you know, if Clark can do that, I can see his scoring, you know, increase dramatically just because I think he's a player with huge upside and someone that can be easily, you know, classified in that next category of, you know, we're picking them for super coach. But I think it's a confidence thing with him because he's been – ridiculed with injuries he's had the face injury you know you know that sort of stuff which has really helped his momentum and I think he just needs a bit of a run into it um you know that will that'll really shoot up his 2023 and I think if I had to pick between the two as I said it really depends on you know what news we hear out of both camps so if we have a fit Nat Newey and and Yo's training in midfield I'd be more inclined to pick um pick Yo but if you know I see any inkling of Hunter Clark in in the midfield or he feels confident Ross Lyons give him a clear role then 
I think I might be going quiet. But that that'd be a bit of advice from from me. Yeah. Um. I just quickly, I've actually flicked between both of these guys. Um. Sort of as a D four. Um. I think this is a bit like a, um. The they um the Jake Lloyd and Nick Dacos battle where you've sort of got the proven scorer who might be sort of slightly on the decline a bit and you've got Hunter Clark who's still the young upcomer and has really high potential given that I think he's a former top ten pick. You might be able to correct me on that, Thomas. Um yeah, so I, think it was pick, I think pick seven or eight. Or yeah. Like um so I think at this stage I would be more comfortable picking Yo because I know what he's capable of. Um, but I think Hunter Clark, given that he's younger, um, I think he has more upside than what Yo does. Um, so as I just said, there's just a couple more off that I haven't got photos of. Um, so we're just going to quickly go over them now. So first one, uh, Christian Salem. We might just do this very quickly. Uh, yes or no, uh, Jonas? Uh, no. I think there's better options in that sort of price range when you got like Bose, Clark, Yo, a few others that are a bit cheaper like Caulfield. So he's a pretty hard pass at this point in time, unless he's taking the kick-ins in the preseason match. And Thomas, how about you? Yeah. Definitely no. I think Salem is past his heyday. Obviously, the season before and the 2020 season or 2021 season he dominated, but um, I don't think he's up to it. I think he's definitely diminished a bit in his, his footballing in general. Um, there's definitely better options out there. Yeah, I think I'm the same. I think I think if he gets back to his best, I think it might be one of those, you know, I'm happy to let him get back to his best, but I think he's too risky, and I've forgotten, Tom, who the other one was you said off camera. Do you remember who the uh, other one was? Jacob, I think someone on Twitter asked Jacob Weidering. Oh, Jacob Weidering. Um, yeah, um, Jacob Weidering, that's it. Um, what do we think on but, him? So he is, do, 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 just let me, he is uh, 378,000. Is he a hard pass for you, Tom? Yeah. Uh, Key defenders, obviously, you know, historically have a no-go. Um, yeah, I, I don't think you'd be confident in picking him. I know he's cheap, cheaper, but it's not like he's capable of scoring, you know, consistently in the 90s or 100s. He's more of a lockdown defender. He's obviously, you know, all-Australian worthy lockdown, but that doesn't necessarily translate to super coach score. So I think... Um, for anyone new that, that plays super coach, you just got to be careful, like, the good defenders don't translate necessarily to good super coach scoring, especially the lockdown ones. Um, Stephen May is a bit of an exception, exception because he exception because he plays a more of a sweeper style defensive lockdown, um, and he he's in charge of kickouts. He's the main um, ball feeder through that defensive line. But your likes of you know St Kilda, Dougal Howard, Weedering, um, Darcy Moore. Darcy Moore really don't translate to good scooper coach scores because they're tasked with one-on-one defending, which, yeah, as we all know, doesn't translate well to super coach scoring. Yep, I'll just go quickly in the middle here. I'm a, I'm a hard pass. I think if I was going to pick Wadering, I think I'd rather pay the extra 10K and go up to Salem, um, who's got a bit more of a friendly role. How about you, um, Jonas? Yeah, completely agree. 
don't think much more needs yeah. said on that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's all we have time for. Um, obviously, we try to keep this a little bit shorter. I know there's a million different things you could talk about with, with pre and defenders, but we're trying to keep it kind of short and sweet. And the way we're running this kind of next couple podcasts, we kind of like a versus segment where we're trying to pick two closely priced or average players um, together. And obviously, it's just our opinion. Um, and there's no right or wrong answer. But, you know, if you have to pick one of these ones, obviously, we're giving our opinion um, with those. But obviously, it's by no means you can pick both or none. Um, you know, we're seeing a lot of template teams out there, which is fine. It's it's pretty early in the season. But as the um, season rolls on, I guess you have to make those tough calls and, and pick a pick a best six that you're willing to go forward with. But moving forward, we'll obviously have the mids probably in a week's time. Um, so we'll be posting a similar thing to what we did defenders. So feel free to comment um, below. If you want any questions answered, doesn't matter what player, we'll probably go through it as we did today. So yeah, we'll um, hopefully catch you for the midfield podcast in yeah, about a week's time. <laughs>